Welcome back to Pinpoint History, everyone. Episode 13, Apollo's Avenger. Last week, we spoke about the actions in Central Greece that culminated in the Sacred War. With a little encouragement from the Spartans, Phocas decided to go for broke and invaded the city of Delphi. This aggression caused the Amphictyonic League to declare sacred war against the Phocians. After having initial success against the Phocians, culminating in their defeat at the Battle of Neon, Central Greece assumed the war was over and did not proceed to eliminate the remnants of the Phocian army. This proved to be a terrible mistake, as with this assumption, the bulk of the Theban forces traveled to Anatolia to participate in the civil unrest in the Persian Empire. The new leader of the Phocian resistance, Anamarcos, doubled down and raised a large mercenary force, and with Thebes away, they were able to subjugate central Greece. But the only other power in the area, the Thessalian League, was plagued with internal conflicts as the city of Phere once again was under the control of new tyrants. Seeking to make new allies, Onomarchus sent material aid to the tyrants of Phere. Still, when news arrived of Philip's impending march into Thessaly to aid the city of Larissa, Onomarchus sent his brother Phalos and 7,000 reinforcements to Thessaly, which now brings us back to the current timeline. When Philip initially received the request for aid from Larissa, he was in campaigning in Thrace, keeping the pressure up in the area. After receiving the request for aid, he decided to help the city of Larissa, as Philip had marriage alliances with both Larissa and Ferre. Philip was seen as a good choice for mediation. So in 354 BCE, Philip left Thrace and went to the Thessalian city of Larissa. After the rendezvous with Larissa, the combined forces set off to siege the city of Ferre. The tyrants of Ferre decided to hole up in their city and request aid from Monomarcos. Like we discussed before, the Phocian commander duly obliged his new allies and sent his brother and the reinforcements over to aid Ferre. The siege of Ferre was well underway by the time Phalos had marched towards Thessaly. But Philip had received word of a relief force marching into Thessaly. So Philip decided to break off the siege in the middle of the night to engage with the Phocian relief force and used the cover of night to reorganize his force. He was able to do this without Ferre realizing, and so Ferre was unable to warn Phalos. The resulting engagement was brief, as Philip was able to decisively beat Phalos and push him and his force out of Thessaly. As Phalos was getting whooped by Philip in Thessaly, in Boeotia, Onomarchus continued attempting to fortify his position at Chaeronea. But now, with the departure of his brother and 7,000 men, Thebes had rallied a new effort and was able to push Onomarchus out of Boeotia. This was all the Thebes could do, however, and did not change the outcome of the wider war at all. Onomarchus was still in control of the majority of central Greece. At this time, Phalos reunited with his brother and informed him of his loss to the Macedonians. Onomarchus decided that his best bet was not to split his forces up and attempt fighting on two fronts, but to consolidate and move on each enemy with the full weight of his army. Onomarchus began the march into Thessaly with his full force of 20,000 men and 500 horse, 
and as we'll soon see, most importantly, siege equipment. The details of the upcoming conflict are scarce, but here is what we do know. Philip and Anamarcos began to maneuver position in Thessaly, with Anamarcos not being pinned down. Despite Anamarcus having the larger force, he was still able to evade Philip. We're unsure of the amount that Philip had with him, but I would estimate between his force of 10,000 and the Thessalian reinforcements, perhaps 15,000 infantry, and a similar amount of horsemen. Philip would fight two engagements. The first one is not well known to us, but it would seem that it did not go Philip's way. We have details for a second engagement, which I will now recount. Philip had managed to pin on a Marcos down in a valley. It was a good spot, as it prevented Philip from being able to flank on a Marcos. The Macedonian forces marched towards the Phocian force, ready to engage in a head-on battle. Fighting Philip head-on was a terrifying sight to behold. The formidable pike phalanx was practically unbeatable by regular hoplite armies face to face. The length of the Macedonian Sarissa far outpaced what the Phocian hoplites could do, so they began to panic and flee. As the Phocian army fled, the Macedonian army began to chase them, eager to inflict major casualties on the backs of their feeding flow. Philip's victory seemed all but secured. But in actuality, Philip had been outplayed. As the Macedonians chased after the Phocian army, they began to lose formation and cohesion. Onomarchus had led Philip into this valley on purpose. On the ridges above, Onomarchus had a siege artillery placed there. And as the Macedonian armies chased the Phocian forces, the artillery began to rain rocks on the Macedonian army. The bombardment caused major panic and confusion in the Macedonian army, and now Anamarchus had new contingents of men appear on both sides of Philip's forces, flanking the Macedonians. And the fleeing frontal force paused and reorganized and slammed into the Macedonian front as they were paralyzed from the ambush of soldiers from the flanks and the raining rocks from up on high. Philip was able to rally his men and tightened the formation and organized a retreat out of the ambush. But he had taken significant casualties in the process. Philip was forced to retreat, not just back to Larissa, but all the way back to Macedonia. This was Philip's first defeat in five years, since he had become king in 359. This was also Philip's first encounter with a large Greek army, and he had lost. Since Philip's ascension as king, he had managed to defeat all those fighting against him, expand his kingdom, and become the prevailing force in his region. But this defeat had shattered the myth around Philip and his army. This defeat also had major political repercussions for Philip. Major defeats like this can set background deals in motion. And what we do know is that Philip's two half-brothers reappear at Olynthus. The Chalcidian League was at peace with Macedonia, and Philip had even retaken Potidaea and given them Anthemis as a bargain for peace. Alliances in the ancient Greek world had always been fickle, and Olynthus was signaling to Philip that he should step lightly around them, as they were still a fairly powerful fighting force. 
Now that the Athenians were no longer in the Chalcidian League region, Philip was the greatest force next to them, and they were wary. Still, despite the loss, not everything was bad for Philip. He framed his defeat as a setback, claiming, I did not run away, but like the ram, I pull back to butt harder again. Philip was determined to avenge his loss on Amarcos and spent the winter of 354 preparing his troops for the upcoming campaign the next year. It was now the year 353 BCE, and Philip was ready for war. Philip could not afford another loss, and it must have been weighing heavily on Philip as he set back to return to Thessaly. Years of work could be undone in only a moment or two, and the must have given him much to think on as he journeyed back into Thessaly. Philip had raised a large army and mercenaries for the upcoming battle, as well as his Thessalian allies. Philip would come back with 20,000 infantry and 3,000 cavalry. Philip wasn't going to pull any punches this time. The Macedonians struck first by sieging the port city of Pagasi, the coastal city of Pharae. Philip was attempting to block off any help from the Athenians by taking the port city. Onomarcos once again marched into Thessaly, ready to preserve the status quo he had achieved. Philip broke off the siege and marched to meet Onomarcos in battle once again. Philip also had his men wear loyal crowns, the symbol of Apollo. Philip was inspiring his men to fight, to have them believe that they were on the right side of the war. The two forces met at what is known as the Crocus Field. And when the Macedonian forces finally encountered the Phocian forces, apparently at the sight of Philip's men wearing the laurel crowns, some of the Phocian mercenaries began to flee, not wanting to incur the wrath of Apollo. The battle unfolded, and it was a bloody affair. Philip's forces were able to overcome the Phocians, and a total of 6,000 soldiers died in the battle, with another 3,000 taken prisoner. As the defeated Phocians ran from the field, they ran towards Pegasi, seeing the Athenian ships in the horizon. They stripped off their armor and began to swim towards the ships. They would never make it. They would drown in the attempt. And Anomakros was one of those who drowned. Philip had achieved his victory, and acting in accordance with ritual law, the 3,000 prisoners were executed by drowning. Some scholars assume that the soldiers were executed first and then thrown into the water. But either way, it was a grim task, but widely approved by those in ancient Greece, as this was the fate for those who robbed sacred temples. Philip had avenged his loss to the Phocians the year prior and gained a major military victory. It was also one of the bloodiest battles recorded in the history of ancient Greece. Not only had Philip avenged his loss, but now he was seen as Apollo's avenger, bringing divine retribution to those who had desecrated the temple in Delphi. This victory also brought Philip a major political victory for himself. In his victory on the Crocus Fields, the aftermath of the battle, the Thessalian League named Philip Archon of Thessaly. In theory, this meant Philip was now master of Thessaly. However, 
and did not work like this in practice. Macedonia was now unquestionably overlord of Thessaly, but Philip's hold was tenuous at best. In more practical terms, Philip was now the leader of the armed forces in Thessaly, but Philip would have to take his time and increase his influence in Thessaly slowly, and make deeper connections with the local leaders of the cities in the Thessalian League. Still, it cannot be understated how much of a victory this was for Philip. His influence and power were now reaching closer and closer to the main Greek powers in central Greece. After the battle against the Phocians, Philip did not chase after the remnants of the Phocian forces, but instead continued to settle the factional strife in Thessaly. He returned to the port city of Pegasi and continued the siege until it fell. Unlike other cities in Thessaly, Philip would garrison the city of Pegasi as it was not under control of the Thessalian League, and so it would fall under his direct control. Philip now turned his sight to the city of Phare. Lycarphon saw the writing on the wall and returned for him and 2,000 of his mercenaries to go free. He would hand over the city of Phare to Philip. We have no more record of Pithilaeus after this. After taking Phare, Philip took time to settle things in Thessaly, ensuring peace and stability had been brought to the region. After everything was done to Philip's liking, the Macedonian forces now moved south to deal with the remnants of the Phocian forces. There would be trouble when it came to dealing with the Phocian forces, though. While Philip had settled matters in Thessaly, the Athenians, Spartans, and Achaeans had sent a force totaling 8,000 soldiers to block the famous entrance into southern Greece, known as the Hot Gates, more widely known as the Pass of Thermopylae, the site of the famous Battle of the 300 Spartans. As a quick side note, while the last stand of the Spartans was heroic and all that, it actually included around 7,000 men, including Spartans, Thebans, and Thespians. So, just wanted to bring some clarification to that fact. Back to the narrative. The combined Athenian, Spartan, and Achaean forces blocked the pass and the secret pathway used by the Persians to annihilate the force they fought against. Philip arrived at Thermopylae and saw the forces arrayed against him. If he decided to push through, it was almost guaranteed that his larger force would be the loser in this engagement. Philip was a practical man. He had avenged his loss against the Phocians, and most importantly, he had aided Thessaly in their civil strife and ended it, and it was now Archon of Thessaly. His original aims from the year prior had been Thessaly involved, and now he had achieved his aims. Philip had never wanted to be involved in the sacred war, and was now mindful of his hard-gained victories and taught a valuable lesson the year prior on how defeat could tarnish his image and power. He wisely decided to pull back and go home to Macedonia. What this meant for the sacred war was that it was now turned into a small-scale set of skirmishes and battles between Phocis and Boeotia, namely Thebes. Athens and Spartan were happy with this arrangement as it put a check on Theban power. Athens and Sparta were more than willing to send forces to Thermopylae to bar entry into central Greece from Philip. With his army in central Greece, 
he was likely strong enough to defeat any army raised against him, and Athens and Sparta could not allow that to happen. With Philip back in Macedonia, the Spartans and Athenians were content to let the sacred war grind on indefinitely, as Phocus burned through the treasury at Delphi. And now, once again, following a Phocian defeat, Phalos, the brother of Onomarchus, was now in control of the mercenary forces, and he doubled the rate again from 1.5 to 2 drachma per day for anyone willing to fight for the Phocian cause. The sacred war would continue for years until Philip decided to end the conflict in 346 BCE. Philip would not return to Greece for six years, content with what he had achieved in Thessaly, and he had decided to focus on expanding control in Thrace. But we'll leave Philip here for now, withdrawing from Thermopylae and heading home to Macedonia. Like always, if you like what you heard, give the podcast a five-star review, and I'll always have maps on Instagram, so you can see that at pinpoint underscore history, and you can email me at thepinpointhistory at gmail.com with any questions you may have. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, let's get it. <laughs>